0: So this afternoon, we're going to explore the Brahma Vihara of Pekka. This is one of those rare times where the translation we get is actually pretty good. Equanimity comes from the Greek equus, meaning equal or even, and animus, meaning mind. So this is the state of mind where the mind is in balance, the Endurances are at bay, there's no complaint, there's no pressing need. This word, upekka, appears on many of the Buddha's lists. It's the fourth Brahma Vihara, it's the seventh in the Seven Factors of Awakening, it's the tenth in the Paramis, Uh, and always at the end of the list, because in some ways this state of equanimity is a culmination of practice. This is a place where there's, you know, not a lot of suffering when there's no complaints and no, nothing lacking. And even though it is in some ways could be seen as a kind of fruition or fulfillment of practice, it's also one of the first fruits that show up for people when they start practicing. And I work with a lot of beginners and it just takes a few weeks of meditation before people start noticing, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not as grumpy. And when I get grumpy, I come back to normal a little bit more quickly. It's a nice, virtuous cycle because it keeps you practicing when you lean in and
1: notice and appreciate those fruits of the practice as they arrive. One of the cornerstones of equanimity is metta.
0: Metta as a kind of welcoming, friendliness, um, the mind that can be equally welcoming, equally friendly. Um, Maybe this is how my mind works, but I like not objecting. (laughs) Uh, the, the state of mind, the heart that can be, uh, can radiate metta equally to those that we love, those that we don't know, those that we have difficulty with. That's the same quality of heart that can meet however it is in this moment with ease. There's no complaint against anyone, and there's no complaint against anything. Uh, I was sharing in the practice discussion meetings that uh, I have a friend, a fellow Dharma teacher, who's, whose first teacher just, the only, the only teaching was love everything. It's like, really that simple. And, I, and my teacher's teacher, Ajahn Shah, went a step further. He said, give up loving and hating. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little piece here that, you know, in, when we talk about Vedana, we love the pleasant, the attention is captured by, and we dislike the unpleasant. But most of our life is in the spaces in between, and in that place where it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. It's not unpleasant, so there's no complaint. There's nothing pleasant, so there's nothing to grasp or cling to. And although it, to the mind that likes a lot of stimulation, that likes a lot of engagement, why don't use the word neutral. That place of neither pleasant nor unpleasant may seem kind of dull or uninteresting, but it's actually a place worthy of investigation because it's a place of profound contentment. It's not an ebullient, excited, effervescent state, but it's profoundly peaceful to have nothing in excess and nothing lacking An important pillar for equanimity is right view. Uh, Part of right view is understanding kama, so actions of body, speech, and mind have effects. And we can learn to distinguish between wholesome, skillful acts of body, speech, and mind and unwholesome, unskillful actions of body, speech, and mind and see that when we move towards the unwholesome, that suffering results for ourselves or others. And when we move towards the wholesome, it's uh, the alleviation of suffering for ourselves and others. We can use this can become our lodestar. What's wholesome? What's unwholesome? Even the Buddha in teaching his eight-year-old son, this teaching was like: investigate. Does this behavior before you do the behavior? Will this behavior? lead to the suffering or the alleviation of suffering. While you're doing it, investigate. And even if you notice, oh, this is not helpful, you can just stop. You can tack, change course. And then after the thing is done, to reflect back and learn, oh, was that skillful? Was that Was that useful? Or was that not skillful? So that you'll be informed in the future. The Buddha described this in the Dhammapada with the first two, the first two, stanzas actually of the Dhammapada are, all experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind, speak or act with a corrupted mind, and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind, speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. So right view is absolutely vital for the cultivation of equanimity. Uh, and I want to share with you, um, this is an actual radio conversation between U.S. Navy aircraft carrier and Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland. So, This is one of these uh, Freedom of Information Act things that actually happened. This communications happening over the radio, you know, the, the radio. The Canadians say, please divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid collision. The Americans recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid collision. Canadians, negative. You will have to divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. The Americans, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say, again, divert your course. Canadians say, no, I say again, you must divert your course. The Americans, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the North Atlantic fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. I say again, that's one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of our ship. Canadians say... Your call. This is a lighthouse. (laughs) So that's the example of wrong view. (laughs) The other important aspect of wise view is what uh, we often call the three marks of existence or the three characteristics basically say that all conditioned phenomenon which is most of what we experience in this realm of existence are unsatisfactory or suffering or there's suffering in them are impermanent and are impersonal and uh, these truths are intended to be liberating so um for that to happen, we have to cultivate their opposites. So for example, if my life has been constant suffering and turmoil, and someone says to me, oh, well, yeah, life is suffering. and are all conditions, I'm going to be precise, all conditioned phenomena are unsatisfactory. That's not all that helpful to me. <laughs> it's like, kind of like salt on the wound. You know, that's been my whole experience. So that person, that practitioner, needs to cultivate a sense of well-being. To um, gather and collect the mind, to practice metta, to chant or connect with beauty in ways that engender a sense of well-being. And then when there's a sense of well-being, that truth, oh yeah, it's not always like this, is quite liberating. If your life has been very unstable and unsettled uh, and ungrounded, and someone says to you, oh, well, things are always changing. Again, duh, (laughs) not that helpful. (laughs) That's the source of my suffering. So that person needs to cultivate stability to really anchor the mind on the object of meditation, to connect with the earth, I've had many people I've worked with over the years whose assignment was to spend time lying on the dirt or to spend time in connection with trees to kind of develop that. You know, if you want to learn stability, talk to a tree. Like that's stability. And for the truth of not self or the impersonal nature of experience to be liberating, we have to have a kind of solid sense of self, which I can't believe I'm saying on tape, but there you go. (laughs) That there's a certain way in which if we haven't, like, passed developmental milestones, come into our own sense of being, our own sense of autonomy, our ability. I was talking in the discussion groups about several people talking about, like, this Um, desire to take up more space and claim who they are in the world. Um, Only then can the truth of not self be liberating. I think this is really important, especially for this group of people that we have gathered here together, because it's so easy for teachers to skip over that step. So you'll hear, you know, race is empty. It's just a concept. And this is true, but until we've dealt with the trauma of being a racialized person and a racialized body, that truth is not liberating. So this is a, really, a real strong invitation to meet ourselves where we are in our practice, to see what this system needs for those truths to be um, liberating. From the Vasudhi Maga, which we've really been enjoying reading (laughs) this retreat. Uh, When a practitioner has discerned formations by attributing the three characteristics to them and seeing that they are empty in this way, they abandon both terror and delight and become indifferent to them and neutral. So there's that translation again, but neither pleasant nor unpleasant. The practitioner neither takes them as I nor as mine, and it's like a person who has divorced his spouse and in doing so become unaffected by the doings of the ex spouse. <laughs> I kind of love that. And it's like, you know, you're in equanimity when you re- you're thinking about your ex and you really don't care. <laughs> and that was true 1,500 years ago. <laughs> So we'll practice uh, together. I'm going to invite the use of some equanimity phrases. I'll just say a little bit about the phrases. You know, there's different categories of people we might be working with. Uh, You know, one is self, and self phrases are things like, may I accept things just as they are? May I release any resistance to this moment? May I open to the conditions of my life with equanimity? Um, and then there's the category of, like, um, other people maybe who aren't being as skillful as you wish, people who are caught in their own patterns of suffering, and we really care about them, but we can't, we can't do it for them. So those phrases are like... Uh, you are the heir of your karma. Your
1: happiness and unhappiness depends on your actions, not on my wishes for you. I care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering. I wish you happiness,
0: but I cannot make your choices for you. So um, I'll guide us through a few categories, and we'll offer phrases. Um, And the phrases are, you know, a recent development, 1,500 years old. The earlier uh, teachings were very much in the realm of the chant we're doing, the sense of the heart pervaded with equanimity, boundless, directional. So um, you can lean into that, too, if that sense of radiating the heart, radiant heart resonates with you. You can just have that be also happening.
1: So finding an easeful posture. Again, it's more
0: challenging to be equanimous when the body is in discomfort. And maybe taking three intentionally deeper breaths. And on the exhale, inviting the body
1: to soften, settle.
0: Connecting with the heart center of the body. Just gently investigating how is it in the heart in this
1: moment. And then bringing to mind someone in your life who's
0: suffering and you have this sense that they're just stuck in bad habits. Unable to make the right choices.
1: Maybe you've tried to help them, but it's not working. Visualize this person in as clear detail as you can, or having the felt sense as if they were seated here with you. And maybe the heart radiates equanimity. And then you can offer them phrases. I care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering. I care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering. I wish you happiness, but I cannot make your choices for you. You are the owner of your karma. Your happiness or unhappiness depend on your
0: actions, not on my wishes for you.
1: And cycle through the phases or just pick one. I care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering.
0: I wish you happiness, but I cannot make your choices for you.
1: You are the heir of your karma. You are the heir of your karma. And whenever the attention wanders, just beginning
0: again, connecting with the heart center of the body, a mental image or felt sense of this
1: friend who is suffering. Letting the radiant heart beam the energy of equanimity. And dropping a phrase into the mind, really feeling into the meaning
0: of the words. I wish you happiness, but I cannot make choices for you. I care for you, but cannot keep you from suffering. I care for you, but cannot keep you from suffering.
1: You are the heir of your karma. Each time you drop the phrase into the mind, you
0: can imagine as if it's like a pebble dropping in a pond and then feeling the ripples in the heart.
1: Allowing those words to soften the heart. I wish you happiness, but can I make choices for you? I care for you, but cannot keep you from suffering. You are the heir to your karma. No, letting go of that person and bringing to mind another person
0: who might be suffering, but it's just uh, a kind of suffering that's part of life. Maybe aging, maybe going through transition, experiencing some loss. No sense of uh,
1: that they're contributing to that in any way. Visualizing that person in your mind's eye, tapping into the felt sense of being in their presence. Letting the energy of equanimity radiate from the heart, suffusing this being. Offering them some phrases. May you open to the conditions of your life with equanimity. May you accept things just as they are. May you release any resistance to this moment. May you be undisturbed by the comings and goings of life. May you open to the conditions of body and mind with grace. May you accept things just as they are. May you release any resistance to this moment. May you be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. i picking a phrase or two or fragments of a phrase. Just gently reciting them in the mind. Letting the inner voice be soft and gentle and infused with compassion. May you open to the conditions of this moment with grace.
0: May you be undisturbed by the comings and goings of life.
1: May you accept things just as they are. May you open to the conditions of body and mind with grace. May you un- be undisturbed by the coming and going of events. May you be at ease. May you be at ease. May you be at ease. May you
0: open to the conditions of body and mind with grace.
1: May you be undisturbed by the comings and goings of life. May you accept things just as they are. May you release any resistance to this moment. May you open to the conditions of body and mind with grace. May you be undisturbed by the comings and goings of life. May you accept things just as they are. May you be at ease. Now letting go of that being and bringing to mind a mental image of yourself. And also bringing to mind some
0: place in your life where there's some mild amount
1: of suffering. Let it be really mild. Offering phrases to yourself, may I accept things just as they are.
0: May may I open to the conditions of body-mind with grace.
1: May I be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. Maybe a new phrase. Things are
0: unfolding according to a lawful nature. Things are
1: unfolding according to Dhamma. May I be at ease. May I open to the conditions of body and mind with grace.
0: May I accept things just as they are. May I release any resistance to this moment.
1: May I be undisturbed by the comings and goings of life. Things are unfolding according to a lawful nature.
0: May I be at ease.
1: May I accept things just as they are. May I
0: release any resistance to this moment.
1: May I open to the conditions of this moment with grace. Things are unfolding according to a lawful nature. May I be at ease. May I be at ease. May I accept things just as they are. May I be undisturbed by the coming and going of events. May I open to the conditions of this moment with grace. May I be at ease. May I be at ease. May I accept things just as they are. May I be undisturbed by the comings and goings of life. May I open to the conditions of this moment with grace. May I be at ease. May all beings open to the conditions of this moment
0: with grace. May all beings accept things just as they are. May all beings be at ease.
1: I want to encourage all of you for these
0: many remaining hours of practice to open to this space that is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, so conditioned to be seeking the ecstatic, the blissful, the pleasant, Um, but open to the beauty and equanimity and peacefulness of that that place where nothing is lacking, nothing is in excess,
1: there's no hindrance, there's no problem to be solved. Thank you for your practice. So we'll have um,
0: 30 minutes of walking and then we'll come back at 8.45 for chanting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed,
1: please visit Seed